0: Welcome to Devon Dragon Radio. I'm your host, MLB Chuck. I'm here with fabulous author Rita Batar. Welcome. And I hope I didn't butcher that too badly.
1: Yeah, my first name is Rana.
0: See, I'm going to butcher something in every episode, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, you're an author. So what led you into writing? Before we get into your book.
1: Yeah. So so. Yeah. I was when I was uh, started writing when I was very young. I was eight years old. So uh, I don't think I got into writing. I think kind of writing got into me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's just uh, it's my way of understanding the world around me. That's um, uh, my interpretation of everything around me. I found myself being able to do that best with writing.
0: That is wonderful. So what is the title of your book and what is it about?
1: Um, my book title is The Long Tale of Tears and Smiles and it's about uh, my patient stories and uh, intertwined with my patient stories are the, my stories, my journey into getting being an oncologist and Uh, growing growing up in Syria and coming to the United States.
0: Okay, so you have a lot of things going on there. One, you're a doctor, you're an oncologist, you just said. You're coming to the United States. Where are you coming from?
1: Uh, I came from Syria. I was born in Damascus, Syria. Damascus is the capital
0: of Syria. So, welcome to America.
1: (laughs) you.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't get to say that very often on the show, but then you have your journey to become a doctor. So what was that and why did you pick oncology?
1: Well, I was interested in being a doctor probably as as, as long as I was interested in being a writer. So that was a long time ago. I decided to be a, um, a doctor my uh, my dad had a book in the attic whose one of his friends had given it to him. It was a thesis about um, common illness, how to take care of them at home. And uh, I would go and read in that book It you had all this pop-up photos where, you know, you pull out the small intestine and find the abdominal cavity and what's behind it. So I was fascinated by, like, how the body works and... Um, and how to fix it. Um, so that's that. My interest in being a doctor started a long time ago, um, and um, oncology attracted me because of the um, philosophical part of it, in addition to the physical challenge of it. It, mm-hmm. it kind of satisfied my curiosity for science at the same time, my curiosity of uh, human nature and, and the, the major decisions we face in facing die, life and death and um, and the way you interact with the patient and you become close to the family. So that part attracted me most about uh, being an oncologist. I wanted to capture both.
0: See, going through as family members have had cancers different from different parts of the body, it goes to okay, where's your mindset? Where's the mindset of the patient? Where's the mindset of the family? Because 20 years ago, if you had cancer, it was pretty much, there's no hope, versus now, we have a lot of hope depending on where it is and where you catch it and when you catch it, what stage it is and where it's at.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think things advancing in oncology and in a very... Uh, impressive way. Um, Still the bottom line is that you have serious illness and that's uh, very challenging not only for patients but for their families and their caretakers. Um, Things change and people are more open about talking about their not only their physical problems but also the emotional and social issues that comes with it. Uh, So yeah we made the headways in caring for oncology not only on a science level but also on a social human social level. Social. correct, <laughs> human level.
0: Because it's not just healing the body. You have to heal the mind while you're healing the body. You can Absolutely. get to, um, medicine all day long, but unless you're healing the mind, their mind's never going to heal to the effect that their body is.
1: Right, and, and not only healing the mind, also uh, sharing the struggles that, Patients go through. It's it's a tremendous pressure on them. The decisions that they have to make with their families. Um, I think one of the most important parts of being an oncologist is to be able to guide them through these these difficult times um, and listen to to what they go through and try to understand it and and take time, mostly taking time. In in understanding what that means to to have oncology, to have cancer and being at an oncologist's office, it's not only coming in and doing the blood work and going for treatment. It's a whole aspect around it, which comes to be actually sometimes more important than the treatment itself to be heard and, and understood and, you know, understand what the family goes through through the difficult time.
0: Exactly. It's not just one little thing that you can treat. You have to treat everything. And you. A kudos to you because you have a big undertaking. Any doctor that deals in oncology has more than just one patient. It's not just the patient they're treating, but also the family dynamics around that patient. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, that can be more important than just providing care, meaning just prescribing the medications it's just getting into what's their status at home how who takes care of them what happens when they get sick and and all of that It, it goes beyond just you know delivering medicine to these patients and and again that that is the part that I love most about being an oncologist
0: so you have this book out are you writing a second book to companion it
1: Uh, No, not in the the same uh,
0: subject of oncology, no. No.
1: Not now. (laughs) Maybe
0: later. (laughs) Maybe later. Okay, so it's no in the oncology, but is there a yes in something else that you're working on? Uh,
1: Yeah, just as primarily working, I'm working on a a kind of novella uh, called God Only Forgives the Mighty, and it's still in a very, very early stages. But uh, it has nothing to do with with
0: oncology. Uh, Well, sometimes it's it's best sometimes just to step back from your day job and write for getting your mind out there. It's just, I need to write, relax. As an author, I know this very well, just to write something. And it has nothing to do with anything else you you work on.
1: That's true. Although it's always in the background, you know, that what you how you grow with, with mm-hmm. your patients, all those affect the way you think about other things, not related to oncology, but it also affects how you look at uh, life and relationships and priorities. So it has this undercurrent of affecting everything you do.
0: It does. Everything, everything we do as humans affects everything else that we, we do around us. So it doesn't matter if you're in the medical field and you're writing about something that may or may not be related to the medical field, it's still how you're interacting with the people around you.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) So you said it's in the early stages. So how long, we'll go back to the first book. How long did it take Mm -hmm. to write the first book?
1: Oh, that, that took time because it came in stages. I wasn't, I didn't, um, Down and said, "I'm gonna write a book." You know, I uh, started writing my patient stories initially just for me to to understand uh, their lives and and my role in it. Um, And then I just wrote it on like loose sheets and loose papers. I didn't I didn't intend to publish or write a book. Um, And then as I wrote more, uh, I realized how these patients. Courage uh, had touched me and changed my life, and uh, how the gravity of the decisions they made um, altered the way I made my decisions, and how I set my priority, and how being part of their agony uh, shifted my focus. Uh, so I, I said, you know, these stories should not just stay in the exam rooms shouldn't just stay die within these four walls i wanted to get them out there and i want other people to uh, to to get out of their cocoon of their individual focuses and start thinking what if this happened to me Uh, what would i do how would i think how how would i change the way i look at things and the world around me and the people around me how do i set my priorities um i wanted i wanted other people to be touched um uh, and kind of start getting a fresh perspective on their lives just like i was touched by that so it wasn't planned to write a book i just came in, in stages so it took, it took some time um so uh it took I started writing when I was in training, um, and uh, I want to say
0: probably about seven years or so, just in, in stages, just in stages. That's a long time to write one book. <laughs> but right, right. right. Time, you didn't have the mindset of I'm going to write it. I'm just writing it down, on, you know, eventually going to do something with it. I just don't know where to do something with it. So, right. Well, a- I
1: wrote it for, for me initially, mm-hmm. the stories. I wanted to keep remembering my patients, the ones that I, I, you know, that I was touched by their stories and changed me somehow. And, um, and I didn't think about publishing until later. Uh, I put them together and I started thinking about publishing these books
0: the story see that's the thing this is how book babies come to be sometimes it's a notebook filled with little things we write jot down and it takes years decades even to get it where we're okay i might want to publish this now or we have the mindset of an author that goes i'm writing a book and i want it done in 30 days
1: right well 30 days is up to mistake. <laughs>
0: Well, if you, okay, you write more non-fictional. So probably wouldn't be the best interest of you to do nano, but for a fiction fiction author, author in October, there's nano writing, October, November, and you write a book or at least a good draft of a book in 30 days. Oh, yeah,
1: that's good. I mean, I think I write poetry too. Poetry is easy to write Fast because it's pretty condensed. I don't have a problem writing poetry, you know, in a short period of time. So, are you but,
0: writing poetry? Are you getting that published?
1: Yeah, I have a book of uh, poetry published already. It's called The loaf of bread, and I have one coming out next week next year uh, called Hold Your Breath.
0: Awesome! And I'm now-
1: working on a third one.
0: See, you're a serial author. This is why we go into this because you're not just writing one thing, you're writing a bunch of things that we have to draw out to connect with you. So, with all these books coming out, who's your publisher? Uh,
1: the uh, Global Collective Publishers uh, published a long tale of uh, years. Uh, a Loaf of Bread was published by Unsolicited. Press and they're publishing my, my next book. See? The this... one that's coming out in March.
0: <laughs> See, okay, this is something I want to touch base on. Not all authors have all their books under one publisher. We go to different publishers for different book babies. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. The... Yeah. So, what happened uh, with the first book I published, uh, The uh, Loaf of Bread, I, was published to Solicited um, Press. And then I wrote that Hold Your Breath, which was, uh, uh, was the, about the pandemic, about my experience with mm-hmm. the pandemic with COVID. And, um, and then I said, you know what, I, instead of just sending this book everywhere, like to Asians and things, let me just see it. Let me send it to unsolicited press. They, they know my writing and I, had, I dealt with them. And I did it, and that was like one time, you know. So, <laughs> you know how I you mean, when you when you publish when you write a book and you want publish, you have to contact these genes and publishers and wait for them to come. So they were my first choice, and it just happened.
0: That is excellent. This is what we do, though. You have okay, author mindset. You have your book, baby, in manuscript. What do you do with it after you have this manuscript and you have it all nice and pretty? Who do you send it to? This is a question that a lot of authors don't think about when they get done writing.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is actually the most difficult part. I mean, you finish writing, and then you start figuring out who to send it to you and and why. You have to research, you know, the publishers and what their interest and the agents and what's their interest, and pick what suits your your subject. This is the, the <laughs> difficult part.
0: It is a difficult part for any, and then you have to go to the mindset is one yes out of a hundred noes. You have to get to that all through the nose to get to that one yes. It's not a you're going to get picked up on your first publisher you submit to. It does happen, but not always.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, you get a lot of rejections, and you have to. I mean, you develop skin after after a while you just have to
0: keep doing it it's a passion and because you're writing in different genres you have your poetry and the one about covid you're going to have a different perspective because you're a doctor than someone that doesn't work in the medical field Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so everything that you're doing is linked but at the same time you're sending out messages of hope and healing
1: yeah, I mean that that I think that applies to everything you do. Writing whatever you write is a, is an action of healing that you either you heal yourself or you start with yourself and you try to send a message to other people. Uh it's writing itself is healing. You know? mm-hmm. Whatever it's whether that it's a nice story, happy story or or, or bad story, because you just you relate to what happened to the other people you you reading about and just knowing that there are other people out there that might have the same issues you had or face the same challenges that itself is healing mm-hmm. uh, just the, the knowing that you're not alone i think that's the healing
0: it it is i hear that a lot especially when i talk to someone that's overcome a medical issue it's connecting with someone that had a similar medical issue in learning to heal from their strength because you're not alone no more it, the biggest uh-huh. thing is when you go through a medical condition is i'm completely alone and isolated
1: uh-huh. Uh-huh. right and you know I, when i published the long tail i was concerned that Uh, It might be kind of a sad book because we talked about cancer and dying and to my surprise, the feedback I got was that actually it was a book of hope to a lot of people to inspire them to for perseverance and and tolerance and and different interpretation on what dying might mean, Mm -hmm. Uh, although it was sad, but it was hopeful so they're not separate and that surprised me that people felt that the book was uplifting actually. Um, and, and that's, that's the healing. Mm -hmm.
0: It is. It's not just, okay, there's a sad book. Someone's passing away. It's how do they look at their time on this earth? What are they reflecting on? What are they preparing for for after they're no longer physically here?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I found I learned from my patients that um, losing control could be freeing. you know like you, when you lose control over what you think is gonna happen in your mm-hmm. life, uh, what should happen in your life, um, you re, you redirect your your focus on the moment, on the now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's freeing. Uh, I think when you when you when you lose that, illusion of knowing the future or thinking you know the future you focus on the now and you make that moment matter more um not not in a like a casual way like you know life is short let's just go watch movies it's it's making the moment precious making it heavy with meaning that um when a drowns it re- leaves ripples behind it. Um and I learned that from my patients, just not, you know, losing the losing the control of what you can do to a certain extent. Uh, no one chooses cancer. You you don't have control over it and your life changed dramatically. Uh, that changed their focus to to the now, to the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you might not expect it it's upsetting it's frustrating but it actually has a little bit of pleasure in it it has it has this freedom of just let's let live today and know the moment now we all live for tomorrow we all we're sitting here today and thinking what's going to happen tomorrow and you lose the the, the feeling of the of, of the now of who i am now
0: it, it does um, and, okay having medical issues back in 2011, and not knowing if I was going to see 2012, it's a lot more freeing to, okay, I'm here today, what can I do today, in case I'm not here tomorrow, but how can I make today the best day I've ever had?
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think also COVID kind of solidified that too, Mm -hmm. because you know, no plan, you don't, you can't plan and no plan for the future. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So you just, you just, you know, you you go day by day. And um, again, it might seem upsetting and frustrating, but it it has, it's actually freeing. You're, you're free from the terror of knowing the possible future. It's like, let's just live the moment. And then you find that you really actually forgot about that moment. You forgot how to look at it. You, you forgot to look inside. Um, and, and that also I learned from my patients. Cancer patients go through that every day. And I think that's part of why the book ended up being hopeful and, and uplifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, um, it's freeing of, 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 you know, the plan for 10 years or 20 years. It's just now, what matters now? to me, to my family, to the people I love right now, that right this minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to matter now.
0: Everything we do, doesn't matter what it is you do in life, you have to do it for now. You can't plan for tomorrow because tomorrow is not promised. If you take away that tomorrow is going to be here, regardless if I will open my eyes or not, you t- you free yourself from being to be happy just in the moment. It doesn't matter if you're in a dead-end job, you're still happy because you're grateful for being here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think you, you do both. You 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 live the moment um and and hope that the future like you try to build up the future mm-hmm. but not let it terrorize you by by just like committing every single thing to it and forgetting what you have now.
0: It's easy in being a human. It's very easy to forget to live for today. It's very easy to be grateful just to be alive. How many people out there go day to day and they were miserable because they're not even grateful that they're alive. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And we can
0: learn so much from our cancer patients because they live day to day just grateful for being here today
1: right and you learn from them all the uh, to, to kind of look at your at your life and what you have in a different perspective being just grateful and happy that you don't have to make these major decisions of life and death every day they do it every day and we don't so I think this is listening to pe- other people' illnesses and suffering, and and not only like trying to put yourself in their shoes. It gives you a fresh perspective on your life and your health, and and what all what's around you. Mean. Uh, and gives you perspective to into your own challenges too. I mean, it's not everything is a big deal. You know, you, mm-hmm. you just look at that and say, okay. Uh, this happened today but look this 45 years woman has two years to live so what am I complaining about Mm -hmm. so that's how you start gaining fresh perspective on what's important and what's not so important
0: that is very true we have to sometimes put ourselves in other people's positions to understand our own lives. We have to understand not everything is that mountain we perceive. Sometimes it's just a little anthill that we have to get over. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But we are almost out of time. So where can our listeners and our viewers find you and all your fabulous works?
1: Uh, website, renadisar.com. That's dot rcom
0: uh, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Awesome. And thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing about your book and your poetry and everything else you're working on. Well, thank you for having me. And for all of our listeners and our viewers, happy reading.